Our scripture passage today comes from the uh, gospel according to Mark. This is uh, chapter 1, verses 1 to 15, the very beginning of Jesus' ministry. And um, as you may know, and while we still have whiteout today, is because today is a baptism of the Lord Sunday. And so our passage today is of the baptism of Jesus. Now before we read this, let's pause for a moment in prayer. Great and wonderful God, Lord, we thank you for giving us your holy words of Scripture. We thank you for giving us your Spirit to guide us and instruct us, Lord, that we are not left alone and wandering upon the paths of life. But Father, we know that we cannot understand these words. Lord, truly understand your will for us unless the same Spirit that inspired these would inspire us now. So, Father, I pray your Holy Spirit be upon us to open our hearts and minds that we may hear, that we may read, and that we may understand your good and perfect will for us. Father, bless this holy reading of your holy word. And may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. This is the gospel according to Mark, chapter 1, verses 1 to 15. Listen now to the word of the Lord. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. As it is written in Isaiah, the prophet, Behold, I send my messenger before your face who will prepare your way. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. John appeared baptizing in the wilderness and proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And all the country of Judea and all Jerusalem were going out to him and were being baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair and wore a leather belt around his waist and ate locusts and wild honey. And he preached, saying, After me comes he who is mightier than I, the strap of whose sandal I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And when he came up out of the water, immediately he saw the heavens being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my beloved Son, with you. I am well pleased. The Spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness, and he was in the wilderness 40 days, being tempted by Satan, and he was with the wild animals, and the angels were ministering to him. Now after John was arrested, Jesus came into, into Galilee, proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Has anybody here ever tried to herd pigs before? Anybody? All right. Well, we got this, 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 there's some, at least somebody has tried to herd pigs. I'm not the only one. I've actually tried to herd pigs. Right? And, and, and I found out if you ever tried to herd pigs, it's not easy. 
I know there's a saying like, you know, this is so hard, it's like hurting cats. I think pigs might be harder than hurting cats. Because pigs are, are bigger than cats. Pigs are extremely stubborn animals, right? Pigs are a lot stronger than they look. And even though they're known for being big and fat, pigs are actually pretty fast. When they want to be, pigs can be pretty fast creatures. Now, I have had the opportunity of trying to herd pigs before. Uh, my, some of y'all might know my dad has got a farm out in Swansea, and, and we didn't grow up as farmers. My, my dad, he, when he was very young, he spent a lot of time on a farm, but we did not grow up as farmers. My dad was a computer programmer, and when he finally retired, he bought a farm out in Swansea, and he went to go fulfill his dream of being a farmer. Now, like I said, we did not grow up being farmers, so my dad being a farmer, there was a lot of experimentation that went on with him being a farmer. And my dad has a lot of good ideas, and he allows a lot of things he likes to try. And I'm an experimenter, too, but my dad's a big experimenter. So when we finally got pigs on our farm, okay, we did not have a history of having pigs. What I mean to say is we didn't know what we were doing with pigs. And we learned some things real fast about pigs. If you've never had pigs, okay, one thing, we, pigs, they can reproduce really fast. All right, again, the rabbits get the, all the credit, but pigs can really multiply. And the second thing we learned is they can tear a field up. Now, pigs can tear a field to pieces. My, my, so my, my dad, he buys a group of these pigs. They were called Heritage of Mulefoot. It were these, uh, these pigs where they had these mule, the, the, the different kind of uh, hooves on them, and they had this, uh, this black hair on them. And he, he bought like three or four of these pigs, and before you know it, we had like 20 or 30 pigs, and we had a field that looked like no man's land. And I'm serious. Have you seen those pictures from World War I where it was all just mud and pits? They were like these huge holes, like craters, like munitions had gone off on them. It looked like a battlefield. And we found out it was gonna, they were going to tear the farm to pieces if we didn't do something. Now, if you get pigs, there's two plans for pigs. It's either bacon or sausage. All right, those are the plans for pigs, right? Our plan was going to be sausage. So, so, we, so my dad gets a, um, a, a livestock trailer. We back it up into the field, and now we had to get some of these pigs into this livestock trailer, which was the herding pigs part. Now, did I tell you we didn't grow up as farmers, right? Did I mention that? So if you're going to laugh at what I'm doing, just know we didn't grow up as farmers. This is our first time with pigs. We were experimenting. So we had to herd these pigs from the field into this livestock trailer. Now, one thing we had read is some people would use these boards, like plywood, and you get a bunch of people, and you make like this movable wall, and you can start to just like this and herd the pigs into the trailer. And so that was plan A, right? And me and my brother, my dad, I think there were a few others with us, we got these pieces of plywood and we trying to herd these pigs into this trailer but our field was too big and the pigs we found out were very fast they were very fast and the pigs didn't seem to care what we wanted them to do I mean they didn't care they weren't like some domesticated animals like the dog who kind of wants to please the master would you want me out of me pigs don't care they do not care what you want that was plan a Plan B, we thought, okay, this isn't working. We're just running around with boards, right? Running around this, this, this blown up muddy field with boards in our hand. So we thought, you know what, maybe if we get a rope around one of them, 
we can kind of like shepherd them like, like, like a leash. Well, getting the rope was the easy part around the pig, but I'll tell you, they're strong. They're strong. We got the rope around one pig's head, and he dug those heels in so hard, he wouldn't budge, and he let out this squeal, this soul-piercing squeal that I swear you could hear from three counties. And we, if, we, if we had all got there, we would have pulled his head off probably before the pig moved. So we had to go to plan C. Now, I'm not going to tell you what plan C was some of you might be squeamish but I will tell you that plan C involved a few rifles at least one pistol and end of the story they became sausage that, that was plan C now dealing with these pigs I can understand why God called them unclean animals I can understand why God wanted his people of Israel to do nothing to do with pigs they're difficult, they're stubborn, and he's like, I don't, I don't even want you to be around them because you might end up acting like these pigs. You might end up taking some of the traits of these pigs, and I don't want you to act like pigs. See, as God's people, we're supposed to be sheep. That's the kind of animal we're supposed to imitate, imitate the sheep. And the sheep, unlike the pig, will hear the shepherd's voice, and they follow. That's why Jesus said, my sheep know my voice. My sheep will know my voice, and they will follow. But quite often, quite often we act like pigs. We're stubborn. We don't care what God wants out of us. We complain, and we complain really, really loud, and then we like to blame God for everything that goes wrong in our life. And we often even look at God as being the one that's hurting pigs. We see God as, as like me and my dad and my brother hurting pigs, like God has a plan to work with us, and because of our stubbornness and sinfulness, God has to abandon that plan and go to another plan. And God is just trying to push us as hard as he can, although he's not trying to get us to the slaughterhouse. He's trying to get us into the kingdom of God to live with him forever. But we still resist him. And there is God trying. That doesn't work. And then he tries something else. And, well, that doesn't work as well. And God, his whole, our whole entire life is trying plan after plan after plan to try to get us stubborn, intractable creatures into the place where we're supposed to be. Some people have even made a theology out of this. The work of God is like trying to herd pigs into a trailer. And they'll look at the all of creation and they'll see God just trying plan after plan after plan, trying to get these things to work. He, he built the, the Garden of Eden, right? And that was plan A. And that was the original plan. Just wanted us to live in this garden with him, but we messed it up. We sinned, we messed it up. And sin just permeated the whole world, so God had to go to plan B. Well, I'll have to flood the world, I guess, and start over with one righteous man. And then sin still came in the world, so God had to go to plan C. I'm going to elect Abraham to be the beginning of a new nation, and I'm going to bless them as my people. And, well, they still sinned, so we had to go to plan D, which was Moses giving them the law. They still messed up. There was plan E. I'm going to give you kings. And then that fail, plan failed. I'll send you off to Babylon. That plan failed. Then I'll have to give you prophets. And then finally, so many plans failed. God gets upset. Look, all right, Jesus, you're going to have to do it, okay? I'm just going to have to call an audible here. 
You're going to have to go down there and fix it. That's the only thing that's going to work because I've tried to herd these pigs for so long and they're so stubborn and they're so intractable. They insist so much on their own way that the only thing that's going to work, Jesus, if you are going to have to go down and do the work for them. A lot of times that's how we look at it, but I'm going to tell you that's not how it worked. It's not how it worked at all. It's not like me and herding pigs. See, when I was herding pigs, I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't even know what I was working with. But you see, Jesus, he was the plan from the very beginning. Jesus was plan A, and he's always been plan A. Jesus is not the backup to the backup. Jesus wasn't called in because all the other plans of God had failed. Jesus was the intention from the moment creation began. That's why in Galatians it says all things were made through him and all things were made for him. From the moment God said let there be light, Jesus was the intention for you and I and all of humanity. In the passage we looked at today, this was the beginning of the work of Christ. This was the start of his ministry. And in the Gospel of Mark, we don't have uh, any birth narratives, no shepherds, no wise men, none of those stories like that. Mark jumps right into the story of the work of Jesus, right into the ministry. And even at Mark 1, it says the beginning of the Gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And as he starts out with it, he goes right into a prophecy. And it's a prophecy from the book of Isaiah. Now, we've heard a lot, at least during Advent and Christmas, about Isaiah. And it all talked about Jesus. But this is one of the few passages that's not about Jesus and Isaiah. This is a prophecy about, the, about John the Baptist. It says, I am sending one before me to proclaim, you know, great is the name of the Lord. Clear the paths of the way of the Lord. It was John the Baptist. He was what is known as a forerunner. And he was sent before Jesus not to prophesy that Jesus was coming, but to be the preparer because Jesus at that point had come and the time was now. The time had begun. Jesus was here, so the forerunner goes and he prepares people to meet Jesus. And he goes out into the wilderness and he's, going, he's preaching and he's preparing people, letting them know the kingdom of God is near, letting them know the Messiah was coming and to prepare this He was preaching a baptism of repentance and the forgiveness of sins. And this was part of the preparation of Israel, getting ready to have an encounter with Jesus Christ. And he's out there in the wilderness wearing uh, camel's hair, and he's eating honey and locusts. And so he's out there in the wild doing nothing but preaching and baptizing, and just hundreds and thousands of people are coming out to see John and to be baptized by him. And among these many thousands is Jesus himself. And Jesus goes and he is baptized by John in the Jordan River. Now a lot of people ask why Jesus was baptized. And that's actually a question that the church has kind of struggled with ever since it happened. Because it said that John's baptism was for the repentance and the forgiveness of sins. So if Jesus was submitting to this baptism... Which sins was he repenting for? Which sins did he need to be forgiven for? The answer, of course, is none. Jesus lived a sinless life. He did not have to repent for anything, nor did he need forgiveness for anything. So why did he get baptized by John? 
And if you're confused, you're in good company because John was confused too. In the, in the Gospel of Matthew in this event, when Jesus is getting baptized, John actually resists. And he says, why am I baptizing you? You are the one that should be baptizing me. And the only answer Jesus gives them is that so all righteousness might be fulfilled. Meaning we need to do all these things in the right way. That is why I am being baptized by you. And so what we see in the baptism of Jesus is Jesus submitting himself to the work of God. Is Jesus, he is submitting himself to the work of God. What he was doing here, he was making it clear that his ministry, his ministry and his life was not inventing something new. He wasn't starting a new work in Israel. It was kind of new, but not completely new. What he was doing was connecting himself to everything that had happened in the Old Testament. All the prophets, all the kings, all the patriarchs, everything that God had been doing in that Old Testament, Jesus was connecting himself to that. It was something new, but it was not something different. It was a different stage in God's plan, but it was not a new plan. See, by allowing himself to be baptized by John, John was the forerunner of Christ. And he was the very end of all the prophets. All, everything that, that God had been doing through those prophets was, a, was finalizing in John. John was that final prophet of all those prophets of Israel. He was that last prophet before Christ came. So by being baptized by John, he was connecting himself to everything those prophets said, to everything those prophets did, to everything that God had done before him, letting people know this is not something new. I am not inventing this of my own. This is something God has been doing from the very, very beginning. It was something new, but it was not something unexpected. It was something new, but it was something that was part of something else that was very, very old. You see, Jesus was always the plan. It's a new phase, but it was an old plan. What we did as people didn't change God's plan. What we do today as God's people doesn't change His plan. Our behavior might affect the circumstances that surround us plan. It might affect the environment that the plan is happening in, but it doesn't change the plan of God. See, when I was working with pigs, I didn't know what I was working with. I had no idea the creatures that I was working with, but from the very beginning, God knew what he was working with. From the very beginning, God knew we were free will creatures. He knew what he was working with. He knew how stubborn we are. He knew how intractable we could be. He knew how much we would insist in our own way. He knew how loud we would be when things don't go our way. He knew how much we would blame him for everything that goes wrong in our life. He knew this. He knew we were sinful and broken. He knew we were wayward. He would know that we have a, a tendency to get lost. He knew we would know, have no idea how to find our way back again. He knew from the very beginning that hurting people like that is a lot like hurting pigs. I have to correct myself here, okay, because the, the hurting pigs analogy isn't really that accurate. 
because we're not pigs. You're not pigs. I act like a pig sometimes. I'm probably not alone. We act like pigs sometimes. But God's not really trying to hurt us either. He's not trying to force us anywhere. The work of God is not the work of geography. That's the way we look at it sometimes. Is here we are on earth, bound for hell, and he's just trying to get us to heaven. It's just a movement of one place to another. And that's not the work of God. The work of God is not about geography. It's not about location. The work of God is trying to turn us into sheep. He's trying to turn us into his sheep. Because once we become his sheep, he doesn't have to force us anywhere. He doesn't have to hurt us anywhere. Because as sheep, you hear the voice of the shepherd. And then you follow. That's the work of God in us. Turning us from goats into sheep, or as the case may be, sometimes even turning us from pigs into sheep. It's changing our hearts. It's changing our souls. It's even changing our desires. So we don't want to resist him anymore. We don't want to wander. We don't want to be stubborn. We don't want to be proud. We don't want to insist on our own way. We don't want to complain to God and then blame him for everything that goes wrong in our life. What we want to do now is follow the shepherd. It's wherever he is. Wherever he is, that's where I want to be because he's my shepherd. Even if he is in the darkest, lowest valley, I don't care. I want to go there because that's where my shepherd is. And I want to be with my shepherd. I want to be connected to my Christ, to my shepherd, because he's the only good shepherd that I know, the only one that will not abandon or forsake us, the only one that would leave the 99 to find me if I happen to wander away. He's the only one that would protect me with his life. When Christ was baptized, he was showing the connection between himself and the work of Israel. All the way back to the beginning. That he was the one. He was coming not of his will, but of God's will. He was coming not to do his work, but to do the work of his father. But he wasn't just connecting himself to the past. He was connecting himself to the future as well. He was connecting himself to everyone who came after him that would take baptism as well. He was connecting himself to every man, woman, and child that would take the name of Jesus Christ, that would take baptism from the early church all the way through the Middle Ages, all the way through the early modern period, all the way through today here at Cherokee Presbyterian, connecting himself to every single person here. It's through baptism that we are connected. It's through baptism that we are connected with Jesus. One of the re many reasons he submitted himself to baptism so that he might be joined to us. It's Jesus saying, I am doing this thing and I'm going to ask you to do the same. And through this, you are joined to me and I am joined to you. I become your shepherd and you become my sheep. That's why we're so insistent on baptism. That's why the church has always insisted on it. Because this is what connects us to Christ. It's not just some empty initiation ritual. 
But when we are baptized, we are connected to Christ. That's why we baptize our children and little babies, because it's so important for them to learn to be sheep at the very moment that they come out of the womb and to connect them to our Lord and Savior. You're not pigs. You're sheep. You don't always act like it. I don't always act like it, but that's what we are. We're sheep, and we shouldn't act like pigs. That's why we're very insistent on acting a certain way, because when we're sheep and we act like pigs, we're acting like something we're not. And you're not supposed to act like something you're not. Everything Christ did, he was giving to us. And in baptism, he gave himself also, that we might be connected to him and made his sheep. This has always been the work of Christ because this has always been the work of God in us. Everything that God has done, everything that God has done in us and in our world and with us has been with this objective in mind from the garden to the flood, from Abraham to Moses, the prophets and the kings, from the proclamation of John the Baptist to the baptism of Jesus, his death and resurrection, down to today, right here in Gilbert, South Carolina. It's the same work, making us the sheep of his fold. It's really nothing at all like herding pigs. Nothing at all, at least not the way I did it. Because he's really not hurting us anywhere. He's had one plan for us, and only one. The plan has always been the same. That we would be his sheep. And Christ would be our shepherd. And that one day there will be no hurting. There'll be no prodding. There'll be no pulling. There'll be no forcing. There'll be a call from the master. And we rise and follow. Because that's what his sheep do. That's who we are. And we can be eternally grateful that God has done this for us. To God be all the glory forever and ever. Amen.